Um, You're listening to When Christians Speak Online Talk Radio, broadcasting out of the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. And ready Today's to voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. When Christians Speak is dedicated to lifting up the name of Christ Jesus and spreading the good news. So, I'm just kind of just talking over the commercials that have went forth, and my wife is coming in, so when right now, I've got everything muted so she can't hear us. We are dedicated to spreading the gospel of Jesus to our programs and special and, guests. Um, we exist through the generous support of our listeners. If you are being blessed through this ministry and would like to give a love offering, go to our website and click on our donation page. Your donation will be processed to PayPal. Our prayer is that you may prosper, be in good health, even <laughs> as your soul prospers. I have, when I have myself muted. Talk Radio is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry, so all of your gifts to this ministry are tax deductible. So go out to our website, www.whenchristianspeak.com. Dot com and click on our donation page. Adoration is defined as an intense admiration of the Lord Jesus Christ, culminating in our reverence and worship of Him. Our broadcast is dedicated to exploring the many ways we show our adoration in prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, praise, worship, dance, song, missions, outreach, and Bible study. In adoration, we come before our Lord to have frank and compelling conversation with believers who embody the act of uncompromising appreciation for how the Lord provides for us and to reverence the very essence of who he is. We invite our listeners to sojourn with us to the throne of grace each month and continue to draw nigh to our Savior in love through our adoration. Oh, my soul. 
rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you that I have had the pleasure 
and blessings of meeting over the past few years. And so, um, you know, as Myra and I embark on our new life together, understand that for the first two years of our marriage, uh, we've been living sometimes together, sometimes we've been living apart, and through it all, uh, we have maintained a long-distance relationship when needed. Uh, we've been together when needed, and um, God has blessed us. And now uh, Myra has been by my side since March of this year, which uh, actually uh, constitutes the longest period of time that we have actually lived under the same roof, slept in the same bed, and shared the same vehicle, whether it's my vehicle uh, in the United States or her vehicle here in Guatemala. Uh, we have been together, and for that, I praise God. want to give you guys um, just a little information um, I'll probably for the remainder of the summer in some form or fashion be teaching. I don't really have any guests lined up, but that can always change. I know a lot of people and have a lot of great relationships out there. And, um, of course, there's always much that can be shared about the wonderful things that people are doing in ministry to show their adoration toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, however, um, in the month of September, I have locked it in, and I want to make sure that I get it right, because I have coming to the adoration program in September, one of my favorite people on the planet, and she is out of Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina, and she is an on-air personality on the light, 103.9 on your dial in North Carolina, and she goes by the name of Tia LaVon, and uh, Tia and I have some deep-rooted connections that I will not spoil right now, but we'll talk about it in more detail when we get closer to September, but I'm excited to have the ultimate radio personality on the other side of the fence where I get a chance to interview her. So um, I'm a little intimidated because, again, she is the professional in this, and I just do this every uh, at least once a month. And so um, we'll compare notes, and um, I'll take any criticisms that she gives me, but we really just want to have a great time talking about what it is to be a radio personality in today's gospel and to talk about her experiences, um, not just uh, as far as on-air personality stuff, but also being a wife and mother as well. So there are many directions that we can go with in that conversation. So Tia, just in case you might be listening now, look out because I'm coming at you, and we're going to have a great time, and we're going to bless some people. With that said, um, I'm going to share with you guys um, the lesson that we're going to talk about tonight, and it's simply entitled, Let's Talk About Love. And you know what? I love talking about love. In fact, yesterday I had an opportunity to preach and talk about love, and I pray that that message was received here in Guatemala, but I want to give you a little uh, backdrop on why I'm dealing with this subject now. So let me first of all make a profession to you that, uh, number one, I am not a teacher uh, by vocation, um, so everything that I'm going to share with you is just based upon uh, things that the Holy Spirit has revealed to me, um, forgive me in advance if I don't dot every I or cross every T. Uh, forgive me if I get really excited because sometimes I get caught up in uh, some of the things that God reveals to me while I'm sharing with you. But 
I had an encounter, a conversation, let me call it more like that. I had a conversation uh, a few weeks ago with uh, a professed Christian, in fact. And the conversation, uh, to make a long story short, because I don't want to reveal, you know, personal stuff, but it ended up with the Christian saying that they didn't love somebody. And I got caught off guard because I could understand that when we are talking from a secular position, when we're talking in the natural, and I understand from the world's perspective, because when we're talking about love, you know, most of the time love is based upon your feelings. And so, you know, when the feelings are good, we tend to say, hey, I love you. But when the feelings are not so good and when they're not so easy and not so uh, convenient, it's harder to actually say, you know, I really love you and to have sincerity with it. And so that was the main reason why I'm talking about this subject tonight, but not the only reason. It just seems like in the course of the last few months, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 has been popping up in messages or in conversations that me or me and my wife have been exposed to. And it compelled me to, you know, really to start to investigate this thing and to see what, you know, what is God really saying about love? And so can we take a moment to really talk about it? And I, I don't have this thing uh, super scripted. I'm, I'm, I'm cheating and I'm looking at it, some notes to my right. Um, but I'm going to take my time with this if it's okay with you guys. And so if the lesson doesn't necessarily complete tonight, because I've only got an hour and I've already talked through 17 minutes of that. But if we had to go into another month and, and, and continue on, that's okay. Because I really want to take my time with this because there are some powerful nuggets of wisdom and introspection and the like that are going through uh, the verses that make up 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to deal with all the verses. Interesting enough, when I was just uh, randomly looking at the, the scripture, um, I happened to just notice that I feel feel like it's really interesting that um, the way that it's positioned, and I'll use the King James Version as my guide, that in the King James Version, there are... First of all, it's located in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And so, you know, by the world standards, 13 is supposedly the unlucky number. So right in that place, uh, you have Paul talking about love. And then to make matters even more interesting is that in the midst of this beautiful work of art. And I want to tell you guys again that outside of any of the other writings that Paul has written, and you know that he's written about two-thirds of the New Testament, um, this chapter is the most poetic, and it's so beautiful if you really take a slow read of it. You don't speed read through this really slow it down, really understand what Paul is talking about. And I'm going to set this up. I, I was kind of uh, debating whether I would set this up towards the end of the lesson or at the beginning. But I want to set it up in the beginning because I think it's really unique that Paul would be the one that would be uh, gifted to talk about love for a whole chapter in the Bible. Normally, when we think about Paul, we think about 
his courageousness. We think about his righteousness. We think about his church building. We think about his awesomeness as far as the things of God. But we really don't think about the fact that he talks about love, yet he's the one that really breaks down what love is. And so I wanted to just talk about that for a moment, because just to give just an overview, we all know that uh, in the beginning, you know, uh, before he was even referred to as Paul, the Bible referred to him as Saul. And Saul was very, very, very motivated to make sure that the things of God were holy and in his mind, and this is key, in his mind and even in his heart, he was the most courageous, most advantageous um, uh, defender of the church per his finite understanding of what that means. So I'm saying this to say that we all know the backstory that uh, Saul went about persecuting Christians. And so what he thought he was doing for the kingdom's sake was really misguided, really not of God at all. And so in the midst of bludgeoning innocent bystanders with the, uh, with the motivation of being a defender of the faith, well, God the Father had to slow that thing down. And so we know the story, guys. On this road called Damascus is where Paul had his encounter with Jesus. And if y'all heard that in the background, hey, we're very live, and that's my wife, and she's sneezing, and it's all good. It's all good. So anyway, so we, we know the story. We know that um, he was blinded during this encounter because his natural eye had to be taken away that his spiritual eyes, his spiritual heart, and his spiritual mind could actually, maybe for the first time, actually listen to God and to actually hear from the Savior. And of course, that is what happened. We also know, and again, I'm giving kind of the cliff note version of all of this, but after that encounter, we know that there was a transformation in Saul, who was now Paul, and because of that transformation, we get scripture where he says, I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. Um, you know, he talks about he, he, he has been low, he has been high, he has been uh, given all the worldly knowledge, he has been given all the instruction, he is both a Jew and a Roman citizen, he has access to things, he is the king of all Pharisees, he is all that and a bag of chips with the dip. But in the midst of all that, but he, when he had that encounter with Jesus, looked upon everything and said, that is nothing but dung compared to the knowledge that I have now in Christ. And it's key to understand this because how that really lines up with love is really what we're talking about because in other words, if we're going to address love, we need to understand the conditions, the atmosphere that the writer of this text was actually going through. And I do believe from the bottom of my heart that Paul drew on his experiences of persecuting the church, 
and he drew upon his experience of being in the face of Christ Jesus where he could join the apostolic ministry because he had seen him face to face. And because of that, it had to be Paul who would give us this beautiful, precious piece of poetry that we are getting ready to talk about in First, excuse me, First Corinthians chapter thirteen. So let me just start off with the first three verses because we're going to break things down. And again, I'm just going through a slow roll of the the scripture. Again, if we don't finish off tonight, it's okay. I'll just pick it up next month. Um, and just in case some people are either joining us. Uh, via When Christian Speak Talk Radio. Uh, we welcome you to the Adoration Program. This is Evangelist Mac, and uh, we're talking from the subject, Let's Talk About Love. Tonight, uh, we also are on Facebook Live, where I have so far my friend Gail, and I now see my friend Sylvia has joined us, and we welcome you. We welcome all the 327 countries that can pick up this uh, broadcast on When Christians Speak Talk Radio, and praise God. We also uh, want to let you guys know that even after this live broadcast tonight, uh, you can pick this up on all of your favorite podcast mediums, where it will be available about an hour after I finish. So with that said, let's go right to the scriptures because it's no good to talk about the things of God and not talk about his word. And so let's read together. I'm reading everything tonight from the King James Version, and it goes like this, starting at verse 1. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of of men and of angels and have not charity. I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me Nothing, and this is powerful, my beloved. Um, look, let's let's break it down. I, I was doing kind of like just a, a quick study, and forgive me, I'm just kind of looking at my notes. I'm cheating a little bit, but right there in the first three verses, we know that we're talking from a personal perspective because of the word I. And in those first three verses, the word I is referred to eight times. So, again, for you Bible scholars, I think it's really interesting that Paul is doing this because when we're talking about the number eight, we normally equate the number eight with new beginnings, and Paul had to get a new beginning on that word love because his love uh, in the beginning of his ministry was misguided and that's why there was a persecution of the church but on the flip side of his understanding that the true love can only come through Christ amazingly he was able to do incredible things in the service of our Lord which would I think equate to New beginnings. So listen to this. So in the King James Version, eight times, first time it says, I speak with the tongues 
of men and angels. So if you just wanted to put something of a definition, a natural definition around that, I mean, that means that he is well-versed in the languages of men, but also the spiritual languages of the Lord. And, 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 and yet, uh, through that uh, gift, that's not enough. So he says, I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Number two, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So he goes from I speak to I become because what he's talking about is what happens when you do not have love at the center of your existence. So if love is not available, yes, you can speak with the tongues of men and angels, but in that speech, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, brass is harsh, tinkling cymbals is sharp, it's abrasive. It's nothing positive about the sounding brass in this verse or the tinkling symbol. It's a lot of noise, yet no substance in love. Then that third eye goes to, I had the gift of prophecy. And I want to explain something about this word prophecy, because many people are going into foretelling, foretelling, and all of that. We have a million people that are out there being self-proclaimed prophets, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to get into any of that tonight because I don't want to blow my audience away. But for the purposes of this lesson, we all have the prophetic ability to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because we have this prophetic gift to be able to make proclamation, even though we have that gift of prophecy, which allows us to understand the mysteries of God, to understand the knowledge of God. But again, what good is that if love is not at the center of attention? We can have that. We can speak with tongues. We can speak um, and become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. We can have the gift of prophecy. And number four talks about we can have all faith. I have all faith faith. And even though we have faith, and we know that faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's the biblical definition of faith. But, you know, just to make that even more simple, faith is knowing and believing in the track record of something or someone that doesn't have to prove himself over and over again because it's already been done. And if it's already been done, how could there ever be any failure? How could we ever not have faith if we already know that the track record, in this case of God our Father, is consistently perfect? And if we know that he is consistently perfect, what good is that faith? if we don't have love attached to it. Let me do a quick shout-out, everybody, to my beloved son. Hey, Jeff, I see you, my man. Remember, I'm on Facebook Live, too. So as we continue on, going to that fifth eye, it says, I could remove mountains. Now, is he talking about the geographical mountains? <laughs> Not necessarily, but talking about the obstacles in our lives, the hindrances, the things that try to separate us from the love of Christ. Even if we have those abilities to do all that, but we don't have love, my question is simply, what good is that? What good is it for the kingdom? What good is it for 
the people of God? What good is it for the people that are not connected to God but have the hope of being connected to God? And what good is it for me and you? So going to the sixth one, it says, then I am nothing. So in other words, you can have all these things. Man, let me tell you, you can have all the gifts. You can be able to twist verbs and be able to just uh, make all kind of pronunciations and proclamations and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to mess with my son because he's online right now. And my son, Jeff, is he is a gifted musician. But the reason that I was even attracted to him had nothing to do with his talent for music. It had everything to do with the love that exuded out of him when I first encountered him. So what good is it to have all of that, to be able to move the mountains, to be able to have all faith, to be able to speak with tongues of men and of angels, to be able to have the gift to preach and to make proclamation, what good is it? Then it goes to the next I, uh, I number seven, which is I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Well, it is fabulous. Hey, I run a, a nonprofit that, what does it do? Part of its mission is to feed the poor. My wife as well has been a missionary here in Guatemala for 24 years. She couldn't even document how many people she has fed. But what good is that if love is not at the center of attention? Are y'all understanding where we're going with this? Because it is so important to understand that love is the connecting fiber that brings everything together for good. And so I can use scripture to those who what? Love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So the last one, number eight, I give my body to be burned. Okay, so listen to this. We talk uh, in the church. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And Jesus came to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. And he came with two directives. To love the Lord thy God. God with all thy mind, heart, body, soul, and spirit, and to love one another. And so, again, the core word is love. What good is the sacrifice if the sacrifice is done begrudgingly, if the sacrifice has been done uh, out of tradition, if the sacrifice has been done has been done um uh out of uh, uh uh just um you know just traditional ways of doing things but not really being grafted in this word called love and love is the connecting dots that bring all of these things together it was in love that Jesus encountered Saul, who became Paul, on the Damascus Road. And it was love that took the energy of Paul, who before his encounter with Jesus was misguided, was without any true holiness or anointing, and twisted that thing around that after his encounter with Jesus he became the sounding piece of the church as we know it to this very day. Oh, and yet, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he shares these verses with us in the most poetic way, yet 
he is giving us a foundation on which we can move forward in our examination of love. And so understand this. This is just foundational scripture here that when when Paul is having this conversation, this conversation that he's having in 1 Corinthians, this is not the conversation that he is having particularly to the unbeliever. This was for the church, in this case, the church at Corinth. And so he is talking to the saints. And if he is addressing issues uh, related and surrounding love, then it has to mean that there was a lack of it during that period of time in which he was compelled to actually uh, put this into text. And so understand that Paul is talking to the church, and number two, Paul is describing the consequences of having all the essential gifts of the faith but how they fall short when love is not included. We talked about a little bit, uh, a little bit about this already. Um, he, he, he mentions it in sounds that it's harsh. It's a clanging sound when you don't have love. He talks about it that when we don't have love, we're reduced to nothing meaningless without person. Can I use the word void? Just nothing. And then lastly, there's no gain and no profit without love. And so I guess the best way to approach this thing is to do just a brief, and I'm going to be very brief here, a brief synopsis on the various types of love. Now, for my professional churchgoers, uh, you've probably heard between three or four of them. I actually have seven. I'm going to touch on all seven real quick. And when I say real quick, I really mean real quick. So at the top of that list, the one we probably identify with the most is the love uh, under this word called eros. And eros is a, a sexual or passionate kind of love. I teased my um, uh, congregation at the church yesterday because I had my wife, uh, she was doing the translation for me, and so I kind of flirted with her uh, in the midst of actually sharing about Eros, but that is the romantic love, that is the passionate love, that in the best-case scenario that a husband should have towards his wife, or for the fiancé to his fiancée, however that is, uh, um, before marriage without the physical stuff. Amen. So, in other words, that is the love that is triggered on all of your senses, your emotions, your feelings. They all come into play under eros. And it's with eros that uh, we most signify the symbols of love, whether we have the pagan symbol of Cupid and the arrow, and again, that's a pagan symbol, everybody, no matter how we try to glamorize it, it's pagan, Um, or just the heart shape itself, um, we denote as the arrows kind of love. And then the second one is uh, philia, and in some uh, uh, pronunciations you might here it pronounced as phileo, and that is the love of friendship, okay? Or you've heard it um, defined as brotherly or sisterly love. And so that's the kind of love that if I'm sitting and I got my boy next to me and, you know, we've been uh, friends forever and we know all the, the stuff about each other and we're just connected. You know, nothing can separate us. That's how close we are. We are friends. And that's that kind of love. And I'm going to slip down to the next one, which is uh, pronounced store gay. Store 
gay. And that's the love uh, that's between a parent to a child or a family. So that's where that family thing. So if we're talking about family reunions and how all the cousins connect and how, you know, a daughter connects to her father and a son connects to his mother and et cetera, et cetera, it's that kind of a love. And then we jump to the next kind of love, and I had to learn some of these myself. Um, this is love. It's called Ludus. And Ludus is, this is kind of like a playful kind of love. It's, it's casual flirting. It's, uh, it's a love without any kind of major commitment. Um, I would actually say I probably had this with my best friends, and my best friends, I won't call them out by name, but they know who they are, where uh, there's never been any kind of an eros or sexual kind of a thing, but we are definitely, like, close. I mean, and if you see me on Facebook Live, my fingers are locked together. So we're tight like that. We talk about everything. And so um, it's that kind of a thing, but but uh, it is not with, um, the 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 same kind of family love that would be from a biological point of view w- with the um, the previous love that I was talking about, and so then we jump from this ludus love to another love called pragma, and pragma just by the name uh, you can probably pick out that this is probably a love that's just practical. This is love that just, it just makes sense. You know, maybe there are certain motivations that would bring two people together. They don't have to be romantic. They don't have to be family. But this is a kind of a practical kind of thing. It might be um, related to uh, service or duty. I would think that since I just recently retired, I had some of that kind of love with some of the people that I just left behind in the workplace where, you know, while we're in the workplace, we are cool, but we really don't really hang out after uh, we've done our time. We go in our different directions, and there's nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing uh, um, ill-mannered or or a vindictive or anything like that. It's just that the relationship doesn't really extend beyond the area in which we actually spend most of our time. And so that's another kind of love, which comes to this next love, and hopefully I'm pronouncing it correctly, is called philosia. Philosia, which is love of oneself. And I'm telling you, that is a slippery slope because some of us out here, if we would be really transparent, we love ourselves way too much. We need to start loving other people um, and stop being so self-centered. But love of self in the purest sense is healthy because we should love ourselves because there's nothing wrong with that, and it doesn't have to be filled with vanity either. And so that's the first seven, but then, um, excuse me, that's the first six, I'm sorry. And then we have the seventh kind of love, and we know this, those in the church, it's called agape. Agape love. We define it as unconditional love, and we define it as God's love. And so when we talk about unconditional love, this is where I had to go back to how I started our lesson tonight because I I, I said that I started it because of a conversation that I had with a Christian who said that they did not love somebody. And so I want to go back to that just for a moment because when we talk about God's love, God's love is unconditional. God's love is a love that's not based upon whether the person smells right or looks right or is right. Sometimes God's love 
makes us extend beyond the boundaries of our comfortableism, if I can put it, if that's a word. Um, and it extends into areas in which we have to extend our hearts to, to people and to situations that may, quite frankly, by the world standards, be unlovable. And so I find it very difficult as a Christian to say that we love God, who we've never seen with our natural eye, and then at the same time, we say that we do not love someone who is on this earth that, for better or for worse, God created. And we, we got to get real with this. No matter what we think and no matter whether they love us back, no matter whether it's convenient, and I'm going to tell you, the perfect kind of love is never convenient. You want to ask somebody about that? Ask Christ, because the love that he gave for us on that cross at Golgotha or Calvary, as we call it, was not a love of convenience, but it was a love of obedience in that we should be taking a lesson from that if we are designing our lives to love as Christ loved, then that means we have to love those that by the world standards are un lovable. But we know from a Christian perspective that no one is unlovable. In fact, everyone, everyone, everyone is lovable. And I praise God for the lesson of love that Paul is giving us here because we really just touched the surface of this. And I've only gone as far as the first three verses of First Corinthians chapter 13. I think that I'm at a point where I think I'll extend a little bit just to kind of tease into our next lesson that will have to take place next month. I knew this was going to go long, but it's okay. Um, because let's at least bring out the characteristics of love. And in order to understand the characteristics of love, we need to go back to the scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, and let's read from verses 4 through 8. So again, I'm in the King James Version, and real quick before I read this, I just want to say again, I see my beloved Myra is there. She's joined us. Daysta, I see you, my dear. Love you much. And also, Dietra, I see you out there, Dietra. Much love to you. And I want to welcome all of our uh, adoration listeners to the When Christian Speak Talk radio broadcast. I'm Evangelist Mac, and we're talking about love. And, in fact, the subject matter is let's talk about love. We are here in Chiquimula, Guatemala. I am praising God that it seems like the connections are working tonight. It's always dicey. Plus, we got a storm that looks like it's getting ready to hit, so we never know what we're going to get. So we praise God that his word goes forth no matter what the conditions are. So now, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, going to verses 4 through 8. And let me get that on my other monitor here. So it says charity. And again, the, the word charity is another word for love. So charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth 
not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So really quick, because I got five minutes, really more like two minutes. So real quick, look at what it is talking about, what love is, or what love does and what love does not do. Love suffers long. So in other words, you got to go through. You, if you're dealing with love and you're dealing with loving people, you have to suffer with them. You have to go with them. You have to deal with them. And sometimes it's just not going to be convenient. But you know what? You love them anyway, and you love them where they are and not where you want them to be. Love them where they are in that long suffering because it will pay off and they will know that you love them because of your patience that you had when they were at their worst. Then love is kind. Of course it's kind. Love is kind. Um, I, I, I don't even think that needs further explanation. It's just nice. Love does not envy. In fact, love is not jealous. So, so I don't get upset if other people are displaying love. I don't com try to compare my kind of love to their kind of love. Let's just love together. So we, we can just have a communion of love. We can have a fellowship of love. And instead of trying to always trying to figure out, well, you know, why is this person seeming like they're connecting more with the people than I am? And how come it seems like uh, somebody's more popular than I am? Stop it. Stop the madness. And just love people and love them without the jealousy and all the madness that can sometimes go with that. Then love does not exalt itself. It doesn't promote itself. You don't have to just throw it at people. People will know you. In fact, people will know Christ by the love that you give to them. And it is not puffed up, so it's not vain. Love is never self-centered. Love cannot be that way. Love is never going to meet you through the door before your body walks in. Love is there to greet and meet people in humbleness and meekness of heart. Love is obedient and never misbehaves, and it doesn't seek out its own. It doesn't seek. It does, it's not looking. It doesn't have an agenda. Love is just love, and when love is shared, it will bless all those who encounter, encounter her. Um, and then love is not easily provoked. And so <laughs> you can't disrupt the flow of love with anger, okay? And then it thinks no evil, and I'm going to breeze through the rest of these, that it doesn't rejoice in sin, but it does rejoice in truth. It bears all things. It believes in everything. It hopes everything. It goes through the trials and tribulations. Uh, love does not fail. And I'm going to stop right there because I'm at the end of the broadcast. I'm at the end of the broadcast. I'm sorry. But I just want to leave you guys with this, that as we continue to walk in our faith, let's really understand this thing called love. Let's encourage each other to love, and let's love without uh, any kind of other agendas, but to just be meek and humble and holy in that love. Hey, everybody, uh, whether it be When Christians Speak Talk Radio and Adoration, whether it be my beautiful people here on Facebook Live, I love you with the love of Jesus Christ. And for now, I'm out of there, and I'll see you next month. I love you much. God bless.